You're listening to All Things Crime, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including The Murder in My Family, Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Three Men and a Mystery, and Zodiac Speaking. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Warning, All Things Crime is a true crime production that may contain violent or disturbing material. Viewer or listener discretion is advised. And that is because her parents thought they were protecting her, but didn't realize that she had this access. The access is there. And believe me, if you don't talk to your kids about sex or sexual victimization, there are definitely people out there who would love to talk to them about it. Right. Because that's part of the grooming process. And kids are curious about sex because as adults, we, we give all these nonverbals where we tell them not to talk to us about sex. Because if it comes on the radio, we turn it off. On the TV show, we don't let them watch it. We don't let them watch. Uh, we block them on the on the internet from sexually related topics and videos and so forth. So they know that this is not something their parents want to talk to them about. And so they don't go to their parents when something comes up in a sexual nature. And that's unfortunate. If you're open with your child about sex from day one, there's no reason not to start talking to them like you talk to them when they're in, you know, a tiny little baby, when just after they're born. The earlier you start, the less of a hurdle it is to get over to talk to them. The longer you wait, the harder it is to talk to your child about sex. And you don't have to do it in an outrageous way. You can do it in a sexually appropriate way, age appropriate for that child. And you can do it in a loving, caring, supportive way. Make sure they know that you're doing this to help protect them. You're teaching them something and it's a wonderful thing. And they will grow up and things will develop and so on and so forth. And, and you, you know, you can do this. And if you do that, what you're doing is you're preventing your kids from hearing rumors and searching out away from you. They'll come to you with questions. I get rid of your hangups about it before you can talk to your kids. big advertisement you know this is what they do in hollywood they they have these billboards with uh shows that are coming out soon and there's one that's called a teacher and it had a female teacher and a, a teenage male student in the in the background and I've i'm sure that, that yeah. the i'm sure that the theme of that is that you know she can't help herself and she falls in love with this kid you know and they make it a love story like Barbara Walters tried to do with respect to Mary Kay Letourneau, who sexually victimized a 12 year old boy repeatedly uh, over and over and over again, went to jail three times and then married him when she got out of jail. Um, she passed away this past year. But I know that 
her victim, who later became her husband, uh, suffered all sorts of emotional, psychological and alcoholism problems. And it took him a while to realize until their kids got to be 12 years old. He didn't realize how much she had taken advantage of him. But at that point, he did. So it's just they are real offenders and they are a real risk to the community. Uh, we just have to keep our eyes open to both of them, both types, both genders. Absolutely. So, hey, while we're on the on the subject of your past experiences, can you actually give a, an example of like your best case? Sure. Well, I might as well tell you the same case I told Mandy. Um, okay. I, when I was in the FBI, I was uh, a training agent for a new agent who had been a, um, a naval engineer uh, in a submarine. A uh, really bright young guy named Brent. We had worked together for about two years, and uh, I bought him on some of his first interviews. Uh, luckily, I was doing some sort of high-profile cases. Uh, I brought him to the White House and, and the executive office building and we did some really cool things and we went up to new york city and interviewed the former chief of staff of the white house and so forth um and he was he was a great guy and incredible agent and uh then he got transferred to uh upstate new york uh, where he was from originally and we didn't see each other that often but he called me and said, hey, I'm in town. So we got together for dinner and we sat down just at, at one of my favorite restaurants, Maggiano's. And, uh, and just then I got, I got a page and um, I called them back. It was from Seattle Division. And they said we had a six-year-old boy abducted 23 hours ago. And immediately, as you know, because of the statistics I told you, I was very concerned about his safety because it's 23 hours into it and it's rather late in the game. So I, I immediately went outside and uh, with my cell phone and started talking to them, debriefing them on, on what they knew about the case. And it was a six-year-old boy who was playing with a few of his friends, five and six years old, outside of their apartment on a fairly busy street. And um, a guy came up to them and said he lost his kids can anybody help him find them and nobody did anything they just kind of kept playing and the guy went on uh within the hour he was seen at a at a grade school uh, down the street and then uh he's back and he asked these kids again and this little boy named davry said i'll help you mister and he's last seen walking off hand in hand with this guy towards this guy's white truck and the witnesses were all five and six year old kids. And they said they described the guy as a white male, 20 to 50 years old and with a bump on his head and a white truck, period. They have no other information. And immediately I said, look, this guy is in this neighborhood three times within the hour and nobody sounds the alarm. He's from this neighborhood. He's hunting in his own neighborhood probably because his inhibitions have been reduced by high levels of stress or alcohol or drug use. So you're looking for someone who has those conditions and lives in this neighborhood. 
They said, well, we don't have any suspects. And I said, did anybody wait, tell the community anything about this? And yeah, we put out an APB for this guy. Uh, we're looking for a pedophile who abducted this kid. And did you get any responses? No. Yeah, you're not going to. What you should do is put out uh, that you made a mistake, that you're looking for a hero. This guy doesn't know it, but he's the last person to see Davry, and he could help us figure out where Davry went. And so now you're asking people to tell anybody in, anybody in the neighborhood that they saw who has a white truck, is 20 to 50 years old, and might have a bump on his head and might have been seen with this kid. They get two calls back about two different people, and one of them has a white Subaru Forester. They check it out, and there's some dents on the Forester. I said, that makes sense. He has a bump on his head. He probably had an accident. He was probably drunk, had an accident, and that's what these kids saw kicking his door. They're like, whoa, 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 we don't know anything about this guy. And I said, you don't need to know anything about this guy. And I had to argue all the way up to the chief of police and then the district attorney. I said, look, the United States Constitution gives you the right to do a search for the safety of the child if that child's life is at risk. I told him the statistics, this kid's life is definitely at risk, kick in the door now. And eventually I was able to convince them that they were able to do this not search for the offender but a safety search for the child they kick in the door no they 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 mustered a SWAT team around the corner came in kicked in the door I'm listening to it live on my phone and I hear them say he's here he's alive and again the hair stood up on the back of my neck because mm. I was like if I hadn't argued and yelled and screamed then who knows what would have happened to this kid. What we found out later was that the window to his apartment overlooked the parking lot around the corner where the SWAT team mustered. So when they were getting together, he saw them and he took off. So he wasn't there. But we set up on his car in the parking lot and at 3 a.m. he tried to come back and get his car. And that's when he was arrested. He was arrested and convicted and thrown in jail. And that was one of the best cases of my career because this kid defied the odds and he's still with us. And that's a wonderful thing. Wow. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. No problem. Yeah. You know, in fact, when you said he's here, man, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I was like, oh, you know, that's just a... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a rare thing to to be able to say that that happened because it's such a, you know, it's an, an unfortunate set of statistics about it. I mean, 62% or 63% of non-familial long-term child abductions are fatal. So two out of three, basically. I'm Mike Morford, and I've been researching the Zodiac case for years. Zodiac, just the name. It sounds sinister. It inspires fear. The fact that a serial killer would give himself this moniker is disturbing. He would go on to taunt police by sending letters and codes to newspapers for years. And the attacks, they were something else altogether. If you were a young couple in a secluded area, you could easily be a target. And it wasn't just shootings on dark lovers' lanes. 
Zodiac would even attack with a knife in broad daylight while wearing an executioner-style hood. After a while, Zodiac changed tactics, and even lone cab drivers weren't safe. The Zodiac Killer terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area and then vanished, but he left a lot of clues behind along the way. Clues that we're going to examine closely on the new podcast, Zodiac Speaking. New episodes of Zodiac Speaking come out every other Saturday starting March 13, 2021. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. So it's something that we have to act quickly on and and we have to understand the severity of it. They don't happen that often. I mean, it happens across the country two or three times a week, though, and that's a lot. And it's not something that anybody ever should have to go through. So being aware of the circumstances and, and also not just telling kids about predators and stranger danger, because most offenders will use a ruse. Most offenders will try to get close to your kids. And there's a number of good books, Child Lures by Kenneth Wooden. Okay. And, uh, and there's also a book um, by Joel Kostaics. Uh, called The Well-Armored Child. Um, Those are good books. And of course, for the parents to read The Gift of Fear and Protecting the Gift. Those are two books by Gavin DeBecker. And so you want to protect your kids. You want to help them understand. These are good books to read so that you can actually be better equipped to protect them from anything that might happen. But one of the reasons why I say not to teach kids just about stranger danger and these predators is those words put into mind, you know, some evil looking weird person, whereas Mm -hmm. most of the offenders, uh, the offenders who are sophisticated will try to get close to your kids by grooming them, take time and then take advantage of them. And it's a it's a very it's a much more controlling process. It doesn't light up all the alarms and it is actually the statistics are are very, very disturbing in that one in four kids before they hit their 18th birthday in this country will be sexually victimized in some way. So it's a very, those very prevalent huge problem. There's an operation underground here in in Utah that or it's centered here in Utah. It works all over the world, but uh, those guys are huge with, you know, the yeah. sex trade and mm-hmm. uh, trying to sting those type of operations and, and shut right. those down. And they, they do some great work, but I, I guess one of my questions is, is that that number you said one in four, by the time they reach 18, is that number increasing or is that, you know, cause when you think of like the fifties, you know, in the sixties and things, you know, before the sexual revolution of the sixties, I imagine that that happened a lot. It just wasn't talked about. All right. Well, there's, there's different types of offenders and we have to get into that to really discuss this topic. So there's, there are actually preferential offenders, people who are sexually attracted to children. Some of those are exclusively attracted to kids. Some can be attracted to adults and kids, but there, on the other end of that spectrum is situational offenders. These are people who are sexually attracted to adults, but because a kid is available, vulnerable, and the person is, you know, horny, they take advantage of a kid. So there are different, those different kinds of offenders and everything in between, all the gray area in between. When you're talking about whether it's increasing, I believe that the problem of sexual victimization of children was something that occurred in the home and in the community. 
uh, prior to the internet. Now, kids can be sexually victimized by people anywhere in the world because through their phone and through their laptops and through their other internet devices, even all the games they play online, they mm -hmm. can be sexually victimized. They can be groomed and sexually victimized through, through those methodologies. So it did increase the number of and opportunities for those crimes. What, the numbers that I related to you, uh, some people have stated, uh, studies have said that it's one in four girls that get vic sexually victimized and one in six boys. I believe boys underreport much to a much greater degree than girls underreport. But also there have been some long-term longitudinal studies about um, with people who have discussed what has happened when, the, you know, when they were a child, when they were under 18. And those numbers came back uh, solidly 25% of those respondents. And it was huge, huge numbers in that study had been sexually victimized in some way by the time they were 18. So um, I, I believe those numbers. And I think that there are just new ways that people get access to kids and the ability to traffic kids and to interact with other like-minded offender individuals is certainly increased with the internet. Uh, at the beginning of the internet, they, it was completely lawless. But I was part of a number of large long-term undercover operations. I trained a bunch of ICAC, Internet Child Against, Crimes Against Children task forces and undercover agents over the course of my career. There are ICAC task forces across the country and around the world. And there's a lot of cooperation with Interpol and with Scotland Yard and other major agencies, um, uh, the FBI, the Secret Service, the Marshals, the DEA. Everybody's involved in trying to combat online child pornography and child sex crimes. So there is more manpower, and by that I mean man and woman power, addressing these issues today and using tech to catch these people and prevent things like that from happening. And NICMIC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, is at the forefront of that. So there's all sorts of new ways that we're able to combat a problem. It just took us about a decade to catch up to what was going on. And because technology is constantly changing, mm -hmm. we're always going to be playing catch up. And that's something that needs funding and needs people who are dedicated to helping save kids in order to stop this kind of just, you know, horrific behavior. Yeah. So if you were to give advice to somebody listening to this, what would you tell them? Is, I mean, obviously you can't shelter yourself nearly the way we used to be able to, like, you know, when I was growing up, man, it's like after school, mom would say, just be home before, uh, before it's dark and before the streetlights come out. <laughs> right. Uh, you could go play in the streets and go play at parks and you didn't have to constantly be, be watched or supervised by an adult. But I think we're uh, just more aware of it today. Uh -huh. I don't believe that the risk to the average kid has increased that significantly. Okay, good. But I do believe that we are more intelligent today and we are aware of things that happen all over the place before it was, like I said, a community problem. So you might find out something in your community 
That means in your home, in your neighborhood, in your schools, in your sports teams, in your community organizations, in, in your church, in your you know, Boy Scout troop or, or whatever, uh, or Girl Scout troop. Those are the things that we used to learn of these kinds of things in that small, isolated area that, that you basically roam in. Now, through the internet, we hear of all this stuff happening all over the world almost instantaneously. So it scares us more. What we shouldn't do is think that means we need to keep our kids even more sheltered because it's not going to happen. They are going to be exposed to this because if they don't have a phone or a computer, their school does, their library does, their friends do. Mm -hmm. One case where I showed up where a child went missing, they had no idea what happened to her. And when I actually interviewed her best friend, it turns out that on that day when they were walking to the grocery store and back, her mother, one of their mothers sent them out to the grocery store. This girl and her friend stopped at the library and got online. And she was talking to a 30-year-old guy. Mm. And she arranged to meet him. And unfortunately, the library erases the data on their computers every night. So we were enable, never able to trace that interaction because of it. And it's really sad. As far as I know, that case has never been resolved. And... That is because her parents thought they were protecting her, but didn't realize that she had this access. The access is there. And believe me, if you don't talk to your kids about sex or sexual victimization, there are definitely people out there who would love to talk to them about it. Right. Because that's part of the grooming process. And kids are curious about sex because as adults, we, we give all these nonverbals where we tell them not to talk to us about sex because if it comes on the radio, we turn it off on the TV show. We don't let them watch it. We don't let them watch. Uh, we block them on the, on the internet from sexually related topics and videos and so forth. So they know that this is not something their parents want to talk to them about. And so they don't go to their parents when something comes up in a sexual nature. And that's unfortunate. If you're open with your child about sex from day one, there's no reason not to start talking to them like you talk to them when they're in, you know, a tiny little baby just after they're born. The earlier you start, the less of a hurdle it is to get over to talk to them. The longer you wait, the harder it is to talk to your child about sex. And you don't have to do it in an outrageous way. You can do it in a sexually appropriate way, age appropriate for that child. And you can do it in a loving, caring, supportive way. Make sure they know that you're doing this to help protect them. You're teaching them something and it's a wonderful thing and they will grow up and things will develop and so on and so forth. And, and you, you know, you can do this. And if you do that, what you're doing is you're preventing your kids from hearing rumors and searching out information away from you. They'll come to you with questions. You to get rid of your hangups about it before you can talk to your kids about it. So right. it's something that I think every parent needs to do just because it is a real and present risk for every kid. Yeah. Well, we adopted three little boys uh, eight, nine years ago. Oh. And, you know, the twins were 
two and a half and the, the baby was just under one. Wow. And we decided from day one that when we started talking to them about being adopted and, you know, they have some Hispanic blood in them. And so they, they obviously don't look exactly like me. And if that ever came up, we wanted to have a good, a good example and a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. And so we decided let's just preempt that and talk to them about it and be open about it. And uh, they, they have relationships with their other biologicals, brothers and sisters and things. And it's worked out really well. That's it's awesome. never really come up as a question. Right. Because so, they knew, you yeah. know, because you were open, if you hide something, they're going to, they're going to find out. Yeah. They're going to find out and they're going to be curious. And again, there are so many avenues for them to get information and most of them are not going to be protected avenues. And some of them are going to set them up for victimization. So why even risk that? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for listening to all things crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day. Calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's Partner Plan. In fact, people who diet together lose 20% more weight than dieting on their own. Get new premium meals with up to 30 grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. Plus, try our new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant portioned with half the calories. Don't wait. You could win big cash during Nutrisystem's Better Together Partner Plan 100K giveaway. And maybe win the grand prize of $25,000. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off your first month. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Don't wait. This partner plan offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com thin. See website for details on our two-month subscription offer. No purchase necessary. Open only to U.S. residents over 21. Void where prohibited. Runs December 25 through April 4th, 2022. For official rules, visit Nutrisystem.com. Sponsored by Nutrisystem, Inc.